0: Welcome to the Reality Revolution. It is a wonderful day to read a Neville Goddard lecture. As you know, there are two different kinds of lectures that Neville liked to give on the promise and the law. And by far my favorite lectures are when he talks about the law or the imagination. We have found some amazing new and rare lectures from 1969, and I continue to find these real treasures. This lecture is called The Maker and the Maker of Things, delivered on February 7, 1969. Neville Goddard was an amazing metaphysical teacher that taught about the imagination and about his own spiritual awakening, and many have found his words to be a great comfort and educator in what he called this world of Caesar, the maker and the maker of things. The subject is concerning the making of things in this world there is a maker and we are called upon to test this maker that which appears as made points to an activity that does not appear as we are told what we see was made out of things which do not appear hebrews 11:3. 3 now i am asked to test this principle so in paul's letter to the corinthians he said test yourselves first of all Examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. 2 Corinthians 13.5 So tonight, we want to test this principle. For he tells us that by him all things were made. And without him was not anything made that was made. John 1.3 And this presence that makes everything is within us. Now I must find him and put Him to the test, for I am called upon to test Him. It didn't say He makes only the good, but everything, good, bad, or indifferent. So I must now really test Him, this presence. I tell you, I have tested Him, and I know who He is. He is my own wonderful human imagination. That is Jesus Christ. There never was another Christ. There never will be another. My own wonderful human imagination. When I say, my, my, I'm speaking of all of us. As Blake said, I know of no other Christianity and of no other gospel than the liberty of both body and mind to exercise the divine art of imagination. Imagination, the eternal world into which we shall go after these vegetable mortal bodies are no more. And then he adds, the apostles knew of no other gospel than this wonderful human imagination that creates everything in this world. Now how does he create? John Stuart Mill defined causation in this manner. Causation, said he, is the assemblage of phenomena which occurring some outer phenomena commences and begins to appear in this world. To put it in our language, I would say causation is the assemblage of imaginal states implying the fulfillment of what we desire. If now we can set it in motion, activating it. It will produce that which the assemblage implies. Its potency is in its implication. Now you and I are confronted every moment in time with a new problem. As H.G. Wells said, all life throughout all the ages is nothing more than a continuing solution to a continuous synthetic problem. You and I think if I only had X number of dollars, I could live for the rest of my earthly days comfortably. So I map the whole thing out. I think that's going to do it but it won't do it. I have it all set. Then comes something penetrating my wonderful setup, like inflation or the unforeseen, and it disturbs my wonderful world and makes me now conceive an imaginal solution to this continuous problem. I will not in eternity find a set state, not in this world. So I think if I had so much money, I could live beautifully, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work, it doesn't fit. That or the other And all of the sudden, the whole thing is disturbed, forcing me now to use my imagination, my creative power, to construct some imaginal solution to this new problem. This synthetic problem is defined in the dictionary as the compiling of separate elements, which produces a new form. So something penetrates my form, and then it forces me with this new form to conceive a new solution to that form. Now, this is how we do it i'm confronted with any problem i don't care what it is i look at the problem i don't duck it i see it now what is the solution to that problem suppose i were in jail well the solution would be to be out of jail and not to have someone simply discharge me for reasons i need not know but i am out of jail i'm sleeping at home and i'm not listening to anyone knocking at the door to rearrest me If I were not in jail, and I were free, where would I sleep? I would sleep at home. Well then, while in jail, sleeping, I assume I am at home sleeping. I construct a scene implying the fulfillment of my desire. You say, well, will it work? I know it works. In San Francisco, a few years ago, this lady rose in the audience and she said, My brother has been sentenced to six months hard labor in the army. I don't know what he did, but something he did... "'and he is sentenced. "'He tells me he is innocent,' I said. "'I'm not asking you whether he is innocent or not. "'What do you want?' she said. "'I want to set him free.' "'I said, were I you, "'would he come to your place if he were free?' "'Oh, yes, he would. "'That's exactly where he would come.' "'Well, she went home, and she simply imagined "'she heard the doorbell ringing downstairs, "'and she imagined that it was her brother. "'She rushed down the stairs, flung open the door,' And here is her brother standing a free man. She did that until it took on all the tones of reality. It seemed so natural to her. One week later, while seated upstairs, the doorbell rang. And she rushed downstairs, threw the door open, and there's her brother. I asked no questions as to how. She was discharged. Who brought this action or who discharged him, I don't know. But he was not running away from that prison if they simply heard the case over again and found that they had faulted i do not know i only know she rose the following sunday in my audience in san francisco and told that story in one week he was out and just as she had imagined now if she didn't know this principle she would have remained at home and stewed and stewed for six months until he'd done the time and then he was out i tell you everyone Use your imagination, for that is Jesus Christ, and by him all things are made, and without him. There was not anything made that was made. John 1.3 You name one thing that wasn't first imagined. Just name it. Tell me something in this world. You might point to the mountains, or the earth, to the stars. But is imagination limited to this level? Can you conceive of levels and levels of imagination? Your dream proves that, And your visions certainly prove that. You go into divine imagining. Same as human imagining, only on higher levels. This whole vast world is sustained by divine imagining. And our imagining and divine imagining aren't two but one. We are keyed low. So we are called upon to exercise this talent of ours, this power. Now, faith is not complete until through experiment it becomes experience. That is, on this level you can experiment... With the great promises of God, and God is your own wonderful human imagination. You can, on this level, experiment with all that He tells you. Whatever you desire, believe that you have it, and you will. You can experiment with that. So faith is not complete until through experiment it becomes experience. And then you are on sure ground, and you can walk safely. If you know an unseen objective, something that's seen differently, and then you constructed a certain scene, an assemblage of mental states, which would imply the fulfillment of it. Then you activated it. You entered into the very center of it, and you imagined the whole thing is taking place, and you felt all the tones of reality concerning this, and then you closed the book on it. Then it happens in a way you did not devise. It seemed to come into your world across A bridge of incidents that you did not rationalize you didn't construct the bridge you simply had to walk across the bridge to the fulfillment of what you had done after you have done it repeat it and then try it again and it worked well then you are on sure ground you know exactly what to do whenever you are confronted with any problem you see the problem you don't duck you look at it and then you construct some imaginal scene which would imply the solution, the fulfillment. Having activated it, you simply drop it and let it come into this world, and it does. If you are so sure of that, then you can tell it and share it with others. But many of us, I speak now of the Christian faith, and it's so fatally easy to make the acceptance of Christianity a substitute for living by it. So I say I'm a Christian. All right, you say you're a Christian. Tonight, in New York City alone, there are one million on relief, and I dare say that 90% of them will tell you if you ask them that they are Christians. So they accept the very word, I'm a Christian. But they do not know the beginning of Christianity, for I am told that Christ is not on the outside. Do you know not now that Jesus Christ is in you? That's what Paul challenges us with in that 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians, if I say yes to that, that I can look for any Christ on the outside. I can't go seeking anything, for I'm told in the book of John that when he appears, I am like him. 1 John 3.2 Can I go looking for someone who really looks like me? When he appears, I am like him. Well, I better start looking for him now, and Paul tells us where to look for him. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Well, if he's in me, and he makes me, and he makes all things, I've got to find what in me makes all things. Then I discover why it's my imagination. That I imagine this, that when I was a boy, I dreamt of leaving little Barbados unschooled with no background, and coming to america didn't want to go to england i didn't want to go to any part of the world i just wanted america so when i was 17 i became so restless that my parents put me on the boat and put 600 dollars in my pocket and sent me off to america knowing so they thought i would come back after i spent the money that would take me no time they thought spend the 600 and then come on back well that's 40 odd years ago the year was 1922 Oh, I've gone back many a time on vacation, but certainly not to live. I've gone back time and again just to see the family and to have a nice vacation. But this I felt as a boy. I wanted it. So I began to dream I would live in America. When they came home, I wanted to hear every American voice. Englishmen came. Frenchmen came. All kinds of people came because it's a little island with ships coming and going. But it was simply the Americans that fascinated me, and so eventually... Through my fascination, I had to come to America. And you become enamored over something. I don't care what it is. So you say, well, I would like to be. And you name it. Now, if you would become that, then how would you see the world if it were true? Then in your imagination, begin to see the world as you would see it if it were true. If you do it in this manner, no power in the world can stop you from becoming it but no power well if it becomes true haven't you found Christ Or the words of the scripture are false by him all things were made and without him there was not anything made that was made well if that is true and I have found a maker in me that produced a certain thing I have done it numberless times I've taught it to others and they have done it numberless times haven't we found him haven't we found who Jesus Christ really is Now listen to the words. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8.24. This is not a man on the outside talking to you. This is something taking place in you. Unless I believe that I am he, I die in my sins. Oh, I know in the world of Caesar when one wears the garment of flesh, even though they have completely experienced the entire drama of Christ. When they tell it, the world just simply puts their hands over their ears to shut out this blasphemy because they firmly believe that he is coming from without if he ever comes and that he came from without and died 2000 years ago and that is historical fact they can't believe in the true jesus christ that when he comes to any individual he comes within that individual unfolding the entire story as recorded in Scripture, when the individual has the entire story recorded in him or re experienced in him, he knows who he is. There's only one story and only one being that plays the part, and that is God. God alone acts and is in all existing beings or men. Blake, a memorable fancy. Only God plays that part, and that story is told in the Gospel, which is the fulfillment of the Old Testament so if the individual has the entire story unfolding within him and finds himself cast in the central role that he is not a spectator observing the drama he is the central actor and god alone acts then he knows who he is then he goes out and he tells it but while he wears the garment of flesh they will not listen and they will say to him you have a devil You must have a devil because you are blaspheming the name of God. He said, My father is he whom you call God, and I know my father, and you know not your God. He knew his origin and his destiny, and no one would believe him because he wore a garment of flesh. But he knew the entire story unfolding within him, and the whole thing awakened within him. Those who heard it were not expecting that kind of revelation, so they simply would shut him out, as one who blasphemed the name of God. But here, within me, I hear it. Unless I believe that I am He, I will continue missing my mark in life. Which means sinning. For to sin means to miss the mark, miss the goal, so I have the goal. If I don't believe I am really the Maker, the Creator of all things, and I pray to another, I am missing the mark. So the words are, Unless you believe that I am He, You die in your sins. So anyone who will not believe you go to bed tonight, you must assume that you are already what you want to be. That assumption, though at the moment, is denied by your reason, denied by your senses, and is false if persisted in will harden into fact. This is how we create. I create and make something out of things that do not appear, so I assume that I am. And to prove that I am it in my mind's eye, I bring a circle of friends to congratulate me and allow them to congratulate me on my good fortune. Then I sleep having received the congratulations of those who would empathize with me, were it true. So they actually believe because they now congratulate me, they have witnessed my good fortune. Then I sleep in that assumption. I wake tomorrow morning. I'm in the same environment but i've set things in motion and now some bridge of incidents some series of events will appear in my world which will compel me to move across the bridge up to the fulfillment of that which i have assumed well if it happens and i repeat it and share it with another the other tries it and it works then what does it matter what the world thinks i have found him And I have found the one the world worships as someone on the outside. They make pictures of him. And it doesn't resemble the maker. You make a picture of Jesus Christ, hang it on the wall, bow before it. And it's so unlike the artist who painted it or who wrote it. And it's not that at all. When he appears, we will be like him. 1 John 3.2 That's what we are told in the first epistle of John. Whenever he appears, then I am just like him. So I know from my own experience, when he appears, the drama as told in scripture unfolds within me. You are the one playing the central part, and only God acts. God alone acts and is in all existing beings and men. So he simply puts himself into the central part and unfolds the eternal drama in you. Then you know, That you are God. Last year in San Francisco, just before the first meeting, I gave 10 lectures and this lady came to me and she said, you know, someone died suddenly. He was sitting quietly and all of a sudden he dropped over and he was gone. I always thought that you and he were the greatest in the world teaching. I said nothing. I didn't know him. I saw him in bookstores when I went into bookstores in New York City. I met him just casually, but I never once heard him speak. She sat in the audience, and I started on the concept that man is God and God is man. Man is all imagination and God is man. He exists in us and we in him. That the eternal body of man is the imagination and that is God himself. Blake, annotations to Berkeley. Then I told the story of a lady who has now departed this world. She had this experience where she was in this enormous room with these huge pillars alone, one chair in which she sat. And she noticed a carriage, not drawn by a horse, self-propelled, and it came up. Then the door opened and I stepped out, with a briefcase wearing a cape. I came through this door into this enormous area, and I began to proclaim the power of God, sheer power. And she said to herself, Why, that's Neville, and yet it is God. It's Neville, and it's God. Neville, and it's God. And then when I got through, without recognizing her, I turned and then, as though by appointment, the carriage came back into sight, and I stepped in and it vanished. Well, it so impressed her that she wrote me the letter and told me. I simply told her that everyone is destined to discover that he is God, everyone in the world. There's nothing but God. God conceived it. There was no one to play it, and he played this whole thing himself, like conceiving a glorious poem that exists only for the one who conceived it, the poet. It doesn't exist for itself but he so loved it he wants all the characters to exist for themselves and finding no one to play it he buries himself if he dies to all that he really is and takes on the limitations of the characters then he goes through all the tribulations and then slowly awakens in all the characters now he's individualized but he is god he is still neville the character in the play but he is now god he is still john he is still jim he is still everyone but he is God in the very end this is the story well she wouldn't come back after the meeting to greet me and never came back the other nine she was so shocked yet a few minutes before she is telling me I am the greatest in teaching the truth she hoped I would conform to her little concept of what Jesus is and what God is and I didn't I came right out and boldly proclaimed that we are all God but all are not yet aware of it and that we become aware of it when the story as told in the gospels concerning Jesus Christ who is buried in everyone suddenly awakens in the individual when he awakens the story unfolds in that individual and that individual then knows that he is Jesus Christ for if Christ is in me where is he do you not realize said paul that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test 2 corinthians 13:5 so i take a test and prove him on this level I want to go someplace and I can't afford the money I can't afford the time and conditions around me deny that I can do it so I put myself there anyway just as though I had made the trip and I sleep in the assumption that I am where I would be if I made the trip then everything changes and compels the trip the money comes the time is allowed everything comes and I make the trip then where is Jesus Christ? Was he not my imagination? Well, that's what scripture teaches. That man has taken this wonderful story, personified it, into one little being, and then has made of him a little icon, so that all men bow before a little man made God, when the true God is your own wonderful human imagination. That is God. Now, if all things are made by him, and you can this night imagine something that is not now a fact and persist in that imaginal act and tomorrow it becomes fact haven't you found him well now having found him don't give him up as you are told in the end of the drama now that you have found me let these men go but don't let me go at the very end of the drama they are looking for him and no one knows him one knows him and he betrays him well to betray someone you must first know that one secret i can't betray you if i don't know your secret so the one who knows the secret betrays him and that one is himself it's self-revealed he reveals himself unless god reveals himself how would you know him so he turns to all the others who did not know him and said now that you have found me don't let me go but let all these go let everything on the outside go but don't let me go the drama is within oneself." if i find him in myself then don't no matter what argument the wise men of the world give me don't listen if it is in conflict with what i have found i have found christ and christ is my own wonderful human imagination i may tomorrow forget it and be penetrated by the rumors of the world then suddenly the body collapses and i suffer the penetration because i am penetrated by something that disturbs the mold I must then instantly re-establish my harmony by imagining what I would feel like if things were as I desired them to be to get back into that state. I can't stop the penetration. I'm living in this wonderful, fabulous world. As we brought out in the last lecture that to perceive you, you must first penetrate my brain. Therefore, at once, you are within me and at the same time without and independent of my perception but you are within me. That's enough for me. If you are within me, I don't have to go searching for you. Everything penetrates me, like cities and mountains and rivers, everything. Or I would not be aware of them. It must penetrate my brain for me to become aware of them. So at the moment of penetration, it's within you, even though it still maintains a certain independence of my perception of it, and it is without. Now, if I will treat this interpenetration seriously of what possibilities. I don't need to go any place other than where I stand now to adjust myself to be elsewhere. For if I am all imagination, I must be wherever I am, in imagination. So someone penetrates me and I want to contact him all right, I simply, in my minds, I adjust myself to this communion. That they are here, not there. I make there, here and then now, and then adjust myself within myself everything that has ever penetrated me for if God is within me is there any place where God is not there's no place where he's not then where would I go to be where I want to be and so if everything penetrates me well then I simply single out that which has penetrated me and adjust myself to it like tonight if I want to be elsewhere in this world I will adjust myself to that and put myself there through the feeling that I am that For what i know i am there i view the world from there and i will see it as i would have to see it if i were there how do i know if i have moved motion can be detected only by a change of position relative to another object so i'm standing here and as far as the world goes i haven't moved but in my mind's eye i have moved because i now observe the world differently and i see it as i would see it were i there yet physically I am still here. Everything is here because everything has penetrated me, so I simply by a mental adjustment, I adjust myself to being the man that I want to be. Well, how will I know that I have made that motion? Have my friends look at me, and if they see me as they formerly saw me, I didn't move, try it again. If they now see me and I see it on their faces, the expression which implies, they see in me, the man that i'm assuming that i am i've moved i have moved from whatever i was to where i'm now assuming that i am so let them look at me till i see on their faces that which would imply to me that they see in me that which i'm assuming that i am now there's no other way to tell that you've moved for motion cannot be detected save by a change of position relative to another object the motion of a single object is stupid They couldn't tell unless there is a frame of reference against which it moved. Well, I have a frame of reference. I have my friends in this world, and they will know if anything happens to me. If tonight I drop dead, there will be a little motion, and one friend will call another friend, another friend, and finally dozens will know. Neville died. So they will know. If, on the other hand, something good happens to me, well, they'll know it in the same way. That little chain reaction, one will call another and say, You know what happened to Neville? He did so, and so or so, and so happened. They all know it. Now, let me bring into my mind's eye a small circle of those who know me. I'm assuming now that I am what I want to be, and then I assume that they are looking at me and they're congratulating me and they're empathizing with me. Well, then at that moment, having felt The reality of all that I'm doing, I drop it. Now if it comes to pass just as I have imagined it, haven't I found Jesus Christ? If He does all things and not a thing in this world ever was made that He didn't make, and I made that, well haven't I found Him? Who is He then? Is He not my imagination? So I tell you that my imagination, your imagination, is Jesus Christ. God became man that man may become God, and God is all imagination and becoming man. He's man's imagination, so man is all imagination and God is man and exists in us and we in him. The eternal body of man is the imagination that is God himself. God alone acts. He's the only actor in the entire world, so I can act the part of a fool, the perfect fool. I can act the part of a very poor man and play it beautifully. I can act the part of a rich man and play it. It all depends on what I want to be in this world. Not everyone wants to be rich. You may think they do, but they don't really. They want enough to live on and to live well. But not everyone is really moved to be rich. If they are moved to be rich and they don't know this principle, they remain poor because they're looking to a God on the outside and trying to coerce him into doing something for them by acquiring merit you can acquire all the merit in the world. You can be so good that the whole vast world will think you're the best person in the world and yet remain the being that you don't want to be. You've got to know who you really are and no man really knows himself who does not know the revealer and the revealer unveils himself within you as your very being. In my experiences, I never saw another one do it. I was not a spectator of another. I was the actor playing the part, the very part that is written up in the Gospels as played by Jesus Christ. So you tell the story while you wear this little garment that decays, and they are simply shocked beyond measure. You seem to be so blasphemous. When you make these bold, bold claims, and yet you can't deny what happened to you. I could no more deny this than I could the simplest evidence of my senses. I know what I ate tonight. And yet, it is not as vivid in my imagination as the experiences of playing the story in the Gospels. If I now relive tonight's dinner, why it fades in color and everything compared to these dramatic events that took place in me many years ago. These are as though they're taking place now. They are so vivid and so real. So I say to everyone the one who makes everything in your world is your own wonderful human imagination it may seem a cruel thing to say to one who is now experiencing something that he does not want that he made it but i have to be honest with myself i have suffered i have gone through all kinds of physical pains but i could not deny even though i could point to something and say well i caught the flu so i caught the flu caught it where all within me read the paper that 40 to 50 percent of the country well That would run into tens of millions of people. So I got it just like 50 million or maybe 80 million. I don't know. And I went through all the pains and the fevers and all the heat. And dropped off 12 pounds which I haven't regained. But I learned a lesson. I can't deny that I am subject to everything that man is subject to. Even though I have experienced the drama of Christ Jesus. The entire story unfolded within me placing myself in as the central character. Yet, in spite of that, I have to go through everything, because I cannot point to any other cause other than my own imagination. I can't. The cause cannot come from without. I don't care what it is. If I'm in pain tonight, the cause has to be traced back to me. As we're told in Galatians 6-7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, and God is my own imagination, So he is not mocked. As a man sows, so shall he reap. You see yonder hills, the sesame was sesamum. The corn was corn. The silence and the darkness knew. And so is a man's fate born. The light of Asia. So I can't pass the buck. Anyone who comes to me, they tell me a story. I've got to go right back to the imaginal act in that being and try in some way to resolve it. So I tell you here to go back to quote once more John Stuart Mill. Causation is the assemblage and now I'll quote in our words the assemblage of mental states which occurring produces that which the assemblage implies so you create some assemblage of mental states implying that you are what you want to be now you enter that state and you believe it you become one with it perform all these inner acts just as though they were outer acts and then watch it come to pass in this world the whole thing will come to pass And don't think you'll ever find a stopping place in this world. If you live to be a thousand, you'll never find that you have built one little mold that will endure unmoved, undisturbed forever because you're being penetrated morning, noon, and night by everything in this world. So I think I now need to be perfectly harmonious for the rest of my days, and tomorrow it is disturbed, forcing me to use my talent to construct an imaginal solution. Then having constructed an imaginal solution... I drop it, and then it's resolved. But do not expect you're going to find any permanent state between now and the end when you depart this world. May I tell you, you aren't departing it. You depart it relative to those who cannot follow you, but you haven't departed it. You've entered another section of the same world and will continue to do so until the story as told in the gospel repeats itself in you because of his indwelling in you it will be repeated for that is the story of god being born in man and coming awake in man were he not in man it could not be repeated but he is in man as man's own wonderful human imagination so when you depart this world before you experience this story don't think that you're dead dead only relative to those who can't follow you to yourself you are very much alive and once more made young, not a baby, but young, about twenty, in a world best suited for work yet to be done within you, until this thing erupts and unfolds within you, and after that, the next time you depart a section of time, you leave this age altogether, and enter an entirely new age, that age spoken of in scripture as the kingdom of God. Don't try to visualize what is because images of earth will not enter, To help you at all it's something entirely different a new life a new being a new body now here treat it seriously tonight because it's right down on this level and you can prove it before we meet again you can prove it if you really believe it we live by our beliefs giving it lip service is not enough just as the whole vast world of christians give lip service to christianity and make that a substitute for living by it it is not it must become something alive within us do i really believe in christ yes i do well do i know who he is yes i do who is he my own wonderful human imagination does he make everything in your world yes well then test him and see i will Now, instead of saying I will and forget it, will I keep that always in mind so that when confronted with any problem, I will simply construct an imaginal solution, which would be the true solution of that problem, and then enter into that image and abide in it as though it were true? Well, I will. I'll try to. Try to always remember who the maker is, for he makes things out of things that do not appear and he himself does not appear. He's like quicksilver. You can catch him best in a daydream. As Fawcett said, divine imagining, which is God, is like pure imagining in ourselves. He lives in the very depths of our souls, underlying all our faculties, including perception, but he streams into our surface mind, least disguised, in the form of productive fancy. So in that form of creative fancy, and suddenly I'm daydreaming, I could catch him. That is God. For he who is dreaming, that is God. God is the dreamer. All dreams proceed from God, whether it be a daydream or a nightdream, and everything in this world was preceded by a dream, or call it an imaginal act. So you take it seriously and test it. You're invited to test it. You have a Bible. I hope you all have Bibles. It's the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians, and you'll find that I told you in the 5th verse. It's a very short chapter. You can't miss it. Examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that jesus christ is in you and it's stated all through his letters that christ in you is the hope of glory colossians 1:27). not christ in history well now if he makes all things then put him this night to the test At the end of these lectures neville would give two minutes of silence followed by questions and answers now let us go into the silence question what version of the bible do you use neville says i use both the king james and the revised standard version i have them both at home in what is known as the interpreter's bible and they are paralleled the king james on one side the revised standard version on the other so i can compare them then comes the exegesis then comes the commentaries there are 12 very large volumes and four large volumes of the dictionaries These sixteen are my daily, I would say, fair, my joy. I get up in the morning around four-thirty with a cup of tea. I start reading the Bible until the paper comes. Some passages in the King James I prefer to that in the Revised Standard, but I will compare them and I'll take my choice. Then read the exegesis, to me, the original meaning of the words when it was written, so that the scholar does not try to force you to accept certain things, It will tell you what it was written in that day because words change their meaning. Question. How do you really distinguish between wishful thinking and visualizing what you want to obtain? Neville says, Well, all these begin with a wish. I mean, you wish, and so that's a wishful thought. But instead of leaving it that way, you enter into the feeling of the wish fulfilled. What would the feeling be like if it were true? Now, it goes beyond just a wish. Leaving it As a wish, as Shakespeare brings out so beautifully, we have been taught from the primal state that that which is was wished until it were. So it begins with a wish. There isn't a man in this world who is doing anything, be it something that he is proud of or not, but he finds he goes back. It was a wish. I wished to come to this country, and in those days in 1922, as I presumed, they had certain restrictions more so than today, but I came. I had no training to get any job no matter where i'd go they would say you aren't trained well i knew i wasn't trained i tried to get a job climbing the poles of electricity for the telephone company and they said that you aren't trained you are not educated i said what to climb a pole show me what to do and i'll do it i tried to get a job as a lumberjack in canada i went up they said you aren't trained trained for what i'm strong i was at the age of 17 18 a very strong boy unusually strong for my age and for my size but strength didn't mean a thing for them or to any of them but i do know the whole thing is within us in spite of my limitations my social background financial background educational background i kept on dreaming of transcending the limitations that were placed upon me but that i did not overcome when given the opportunity in school i went to school but when i heard the ball against the bat in cricket or a foot against the soccer ball. That was something far more interesting to me than reading the book And so all these things so fascinated me that I wasn't interested in school I dare say I came out as I came in untouched Then I realized when I came here that something else had to happen And I wasn't aroused until I went to England In 1925 I met an old Scotchman Who was interested in certain mystical subjects And he read the Bhagavad Gita and the Light of Asia And these lovely things to me And then he gave them to me Well, he inflamed. He touched a little wick within me. So when I came back to America four months later, I was moved by all that. I had heard and read in the interval that I went wild. Every penny that I had that I could afford outside of my rent. I bought books on related subjects. When I traveled, I carried enormous amounts of books. While others were playing cards in the dressing rooms, I was reading my books. So I was not really aroused until... I was 20 years old in 1925, completely untouched, a virgin until then. Good night. And this concludes the lecture, The Maker and the Maker of Things. A lot of really interesting stuff comes out in this lecture. I think this is a must-read for people that love Neville Goddard. We get some new history for him. We get the idea that at some point he traveled to England for four months And while he was in England, he met an old Scotchman who read him the Bhagavad Gita and the Light of Asia. We have never heard that before. That's fascinating. We find out that Neville tried to be a lumberjack, tried to work as an electrician. And thankfully, he didn't end up doing that. The word that I want you to listen to, if you ever listen to this again, is assemblage. Remember, I've done episodes on the assemblage point, which is related to the plat. This energy cord behind us. It's an assemblage of realities and he's using the word assemblage. That's really what we're doing is when we move into the reality that we want, it's not just one thing that we're entering into. It's an assemblage of states. The assemblage of states is what brings it together. Some interesting stories here. We've heard the one about the woman who wanted her brother out of prison that's a great story doesn't matter if he was guilty or not if you have someone in your life that you want out of prison and you know for instance that they might be knocking on your door or ringing the doorbell then you imagine that you imagine the feeling of seeing them and hugging them and if you're in prison right now and you're listening to this then you you fall asleep wherever you're at wherever you would be if you were out of prison at home whatever that is These are clear examples of things that you can do. Neville is emphasizing that this is an experiment, that you are testing this, that you will only have true faith when you see that your test works out for you. So test out your imagination. Test it out. He makes the distinction that it doesn't come into fruition and you don't cross that bridge of incidents, which is what he calls it, without feeling it. The feeling is the secret to the wish fulfilled. So you go about feeling it. Can you feel your wish fulfilled? Lots of other interesting tidbits that we can pull from this. Please tell me your favorite part. I totally relate to Neville when he talks about the woman that shows up and compares him to a doctor who she says, you two were the greatest teachers. And then she heard this story that you are God. And then she disappeared. As I suspected, I had lots of family, friends and friends and people that I knew that sort of disappeared from my channel when I started making the argument that you are God. It was the point in which a lot of people that were following me in social media and stuff sort of disappeared. And it's interesting because you remember the people that leave. I love all of you, all the people watching this video right now, and I remember you, and you're important to me. And then there have been certain people along the way that have left, Maybe they were offended with something I said, or something didn't fit in with what they believed, or they left for even crazier reasons, and I remember all of them, and I wish you'd come back. In any case, you can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. I'm sending all my love and light and imagining that you are having the perfect day. And welcome to The Reality Revolution.